Welcome to the Today is a Good Day podcast, a podcast to bring you a new point of support as you navigate your NICU journey. Today is a Good Day is here to be a part of your conversations, whether your baby was born prematurely, has special needs, or if your family is grieving a loss. The voices you will hear on the Today is a Good Day podcast are personal stories from people who have been there. Please don't forget to hit subscribe and leave us a review on your favorite podcast listening app. On today's episode, we're talking about babies who are born full term, but need some extra support with a stay in the NICU. So often we only associate premature birth with the NICU. Mm -hmm. And while one in 10 babies are born prematurely, there's a segment of the NICU population who are born at full term, but need a stay in the NICU because of special circumstances. Today's guest, my friend Corey Rubino, is a passionate and dedicated NICU mom who's had this exact experience. And as we always say, it doesn't matter if your baby's in the NICU three days, three months or longer, the NICU experience is traumatic and it's life altering. Mm -hmm. And Corey's here to share her journey of having a full-term baby girl in the NICU and how she channeled her NICU experience into giving back to others, navigating a similar path. So Corey, welcome. Thank you. So happy to have you here. Tell us a little bit about your story. All right. So I could talk days about this, but um, so my daughter Colette was born at 38 weeks, which is considered full term. Um, and I was high risk the whole pregnancy. I was monitored very closely. I have lupus. So um, I was in and out of doctor's offices pretty much every other day at the end there. But um, there wasn't any mention of her being unhealthy or her having to have a NICU stay. They ran all the tests they needed to prior to her birth. So I thought for sure that it would be the birth experience that I'd come to expect. And my first child, you know, I had all these ideas of what it was going to be, and it was going to be so great, and they were going to lay her on me, I was going to hold her, and she was going to latch right away, and it was going to be awesome. And none of that happened. Um, so basically, she was born. Um, they laid her on me for about two seconds, and I noticed a lot of doctors came in in white coats, and, I was, and that kind of set me off where I was like, okay, something's probably wrong here but they didn't mention anything they stayed very calm um they said they were going to take her to the NICU just to get checked out and that they would bring her to our room when we got there so um they moved me from the delivery room into the postpartum rooms and uh I fell asleep because I had given birth at 5 30 in the morning so fell asleep uh me and my husband and we woke up probably around eight or nine and we noticed the baby wasn't there we expected to be woken up by her coming back into the room and um yeah that was a, a total shock and then doctor I think I believe it's Dr. Chang he's like head of NICU over there now but he came in and um he was wonderful and he just sat down and I just knew something happened and my heart sunk. So he explained that she was tachypnic, which she was breathing very fast. She couldn't breathe just on room air. She had to uh, have like a CPAP machine and, and all of that. She had a feeding tube um, and she was not stable for 48 hours. So we weren't able to touch her, hold her. And I know you know that feeling very well as a mother all the hormones you've given birth, you've waited, you know, a certain amount of months, however long that was to hold your baby and everything in you is telling you like primarily, you just want to hold your baby and hold her. And you have to sit there and stare at her for two excruciating days while they stabilize her. Well, and I think looking, looking back at your expectations of having 
her right after she was born and being able to hold her and do all of those things. How did you get through that moment when you went, oh, my goodness, she's not coming back, right? She's not coming to this room right now. I have to go to the NICU, which wasn't part of any birth plan that we had or any expectations that we had. I just kind of threw it all out the window and I looked at my husband and we I don't even think I cried at that moment. I think I was very tired and very confused as to what was going on. So we went to the NICU and we looked at her and we I mean, I don't know. I couldn't have done it without him. He just looked at me and he said, we're going to get through this. And that's Mm -hmm. what we did. I don't don't think there was any discussion of what do we do now? Like the birth plan just went out the window and we went with the flow and did the best that we could. And I'm so glad our paths crossed. I love talking about your story. And as you know, we welcomed 23 weekers back in 2010. So Mm -hmm. our experience in the NICU was much different than yours. But I remember being in the NICU. Mm-hmm. I knew that we would be in the NICU if I wasn't able to last that long on bed rest, which we didn't, mm-hmm. delivering our girls so early. But I remember at one point during our three and a half months in the hospital where the baby next to Claire, her little roommate and her pod, was this huge baby. Mm-hmm. I mean, really <laughs> big, full-term baby who mm-hmm. had some complications And I knew that experience for that family was much different than what we were going through. I think Claire was probably about two and a half pounds at that time, Mm -hmm. which was big for us from her 15 ounces. But tell us how you felt as the parent of a full-term baby in the NICU and seeing so many other babies who were premature. Honestly, it it was very weird feeling. I felt like we didn't belong there. Mm -hmm. Um, I felt like we were like intruding on something very personal to other families, even though our baby was sick too, I felt like I had a healthier baby than the rest of the babies. Um, So yeah, it was a very strange feeling. And that's kind of why I decided that I wanted to advocate for these big babies in the NICU Mm -hmm. is because I, as I come to speak with moms who have the same experience, one of my very good friends that I met online, her name is Samantha Akers. She had a very, very similar experience to me. And it wasn't until I talked to her and she told me those feelings Two, that I was like, okay, this is a unique experience to big full-term babies in the NICU. And I think this is something that we need to talk more about. How did you overcome those feelings and take each day as it came? But then what else, what advice would you give to other families who are experiencing that? Um, I think, honestly, um, find a support group. Mm-hmm. I think that's the biggest thing. I think whether you're in the NICU with a full-term baby or otherwise, I think you just have to find people that understand you because I, our families just didn't get it. You know, they, they were there, they, they dropped off clothes for us. They would, they couldn't see her because it was, you know, certain amount of people in at a time. But I think just finding your tribe and finding the people that get it without you having to sit there and explain everything, every exhausting, excruciating detail, um, you, you have to have that, that support. We talk about that a lot. Friendships in the NICU, friends that you can make, who you can Mm -hmm. share what you're going through, who understand is so important. I mean, you you said you bonded with the people next to you, you know, so it's I mean, that's really important. Just just whether they're in person, online, you're somebody who knows that experience that you can stick with and, uh, you know, they can help you through it. Connect with and talk with. Mm -hmm. How do you feel like your experience was? different than families who had premature babies in the NICU. I know you said you feel like you didn't belong there and and that your baby was full term, but what other ways was it different than other families you saw in the NICU? 
Well, um, as you said, you knew that you were facing NICU time at some point in your pregnancy. And I think that goes for a lot of premature babies. Even when you're giving birth to the premature baby, you have that time to kind of process. I mean, it's not the best time to do it, but you you have that time to kind of prepare yourself for what's next. But to wake up and not have your baby there when you had that expectation that that was a healthy baby and she would be returning to you is just something that is it's just terrible in and of itself. You were in the NICU for how many days? We were in there for two weeks, and then we spent 10 days in the pediatric And then ward. 10 days, yeah. yeah. I remember that part. When you look back on that experience, what was one of your most vivid memories from your time there? Oh, gosh. Um, or or multiple memories from it. Anything you want to share about that, just that time? Well, the beeping machines would definitely be number one. And I think that would go for every single <laughs> yes. Nikki family in the entire we world. We all remember so, yes, that. the beeping machines. <laughs> um, but the nursing, the pumping, the pumping room, making sure you're, you're doing it every two hours. And then also when you get discharged and you have to figure out a way to be there for... I, I was lucky because I didn't have another sibling, but we slept at the hospital. They would have to force us to go home home and shower but um they do cares which is like where they um bathe the baby uh change their diaper feed them uh so it was every two hours and i would run to to make it back for cares because she had a feeding tube so i had to put my milk into the the tube and um if i didn't make it back in time and there was a new nurse on they would give her formula because there, i was pumping just enough for her if mm-hmm. if even that so i would pump run down, grab something to eat, and then I have, would have to run back and pray that, like, the shift didn't change, and, mm-hmm. and like, I, I caught them in time, and that was so, so stressful for me. Figuring out how to use the feeding tube and, and those different experiences, what did that mean to you, and how did you overcome those fears? I feel like parents of babies who are in the NICU, there's so much fear of changing diapers, touching the baby, figuring out what you can do and if you're allowed to do it, right? Which is not the natural way of things. But how did you overcome that fear of figuring out how to use that feeding tube or do the special care for Colette? I don't think I ever did. Mm -hmm. I think I still have that fear. And uh, I think that's why it's so important to me to to tell people who are going through the situation to advocate and and feel, you know, if they have an inclination or a gut feeling to go with it, question the doctors, talk to people. In hindsight, there's so much I could have done differently. But, you know, I, I, I was very, very timid, very scared, very trusting of the health professionals, which I, I still would be looking back, but I would have questioned more. And uh, yeah, so I'm not really sure that I ever did get over that terror of, of touching the tubes and, you know, changing her diaper and unplugging something and everything goes haywire. And I think it's extremely scary. When you say you look back, you would have done things differently. If you're talking to someone who's currently in the NICU, whether it's premature baby or full-term baby, I mean, what is that advice that you would give them? That would be don't be too intimidated or too trusting and really question, trust your gut and advocate for yourself and your baby because nobody else is going to do it for you. Mm -hmm. Ask a lot of questions, try to understand. I think it's a lot of 
medical terminology as well mm-hmm. and making sure you're asking questions so you understand what the doctors and the nurses and the medical teams are telling you. Yes. That you have a better understanding of it. I mean, I remember we journaled every single day and wrote so many questions mm-hmm. down to ask just so that we could be smarter and make sure that we were advocating the best that we could for Claire. It's so overwhelming. It's very overwhelming. And honestly, we would make sure we were there at 630 in the morning because round started at 7. And I don't think they ever would have put her in the pediatric unit. The The reason I wanted her there so bad was because I could stay with her. Mm-hmm. And there was a bed in there for me. And we had our own private room and a bathroom. And, you know, it was like a little home for a while. So um, I was there every single morning trying to figure out how we can get her there so I can try nursing her. And so that was really important to us to make sure we were there and we we're listening. And no matter what, we were pushing the doctors to get us to that room because mm-hmm. that room was one step closer to home. That's Yeah, one step closer to home. I think that's the end goal, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. When you when you look at your experience in the NICU and now post-NICU, I feel like it never leaves you, right? I mean, I, I look at Claire now, who's going to be 10, and I can still see her in her isolate mm-hmm. this many years later. Mm-hmm. But when we talk about mental health and how that can sneak up on us as NICU parents and it can hit you at different times during the NICU stay or after the NICU stay, what are some of those um, moments that you experienced or that you would have as kind of red flags for other parents going through the NICU to say, oh, I see this. This Mm -hmm. is something I need to be aware of and maybe seek some help for or, or talk to somebody about. I think the first thing that ever happened to me was we had this giant four bedroom home in Willow Grove and we went from this tiny little room with an isolate and diapers and a sink to wash her in and a toilet and a tiny little TV that we watched the Super Bowl on. And when we brought her home, we went to this giant house with all this crazy stuff that people had bought us lovingly for, you know, the, the shower and everything. But it just like it clicked in my head that like we didn't need any of that. None of that was important. And I think just the the stark comparison of like moving from that room to this giant house, I was depressed from day one mm. and I needed to get out. We actually ended up selling that home and moving to a smaller place because honestly, you can live in a tiny little room. Right, right. And that's kind of what I preferred. I think we lived in the living room and kitchen and bathroom the entire time we were there at, at our home. And uh, I think it's just like, don't be afraid to recognize that there's a problem. And I speak out about it a lot on social media. And I've had so many women message me and say, thank you for saying that because I was scared to say that. I think women are very scared that people are going to judge them as mothers if they you know, say that they're, they're scared or worried about something or so that's something that um, just don't be afraid to ask for help. Ask your OB, you know, they, I, they, I remember they handed me this paper when I went in and they still do this postpartum and you just have to check off. How are you feeling? Rate mm-hmm. your thoughts. And it's like, nobody's going to put on there that I'm depressed and I need help. Like they just want to check it off and get their baby home. And I just, I don't know. It was a, a moment of clarity for me when I was like, okay, I need help. And I, I, mm-hmm. I went and got help. And aside from the postpartum depression, I also had PTSD. And that's something that nobody really talks about in the NICU community. Um, it's, it's scary. And you have post-traumatic stress disorder. I mm-hmm. bet you 90% of the people, if not 100% of the people that face that experience also have PTSD. And it's it's just learning that, um, you know, you have to trust your instincts. And if you're, you're really suffering, you need to ask for help. That's great. Thanks so much for sharing that. I, I think you're 
correct and all that you said there. I mean, the PTSD, the anxiety, and for moms and dads, mm-hmm. I mean, across the board, yes. it's for yep. families. It certainly stays with you. When you look back on your NICU experience and the um, the overwhelming time that it was, and having a full-term baby there where you saw so many premature babies there, what do you think that the hospitals can do for families of full-term babies to help support them more? Because I know there were a lot of little diapers in the NICU for Claire and Mary, but as a mom of a full-term baby, what, what could hospitals do more to help you to make sure that you're taken care of? I think a lot of it would be sensitivity training for the nurses. Mm. I mean, many of them flat out told us we're not really prepared for big babies. Mm-hmm. We don't. We had to steal diapers, size one diapers from, and she was only seven pounds, so it wasn't mm-hmm. anything crazy. But I've seen some ten pounders in there, you know, and I, I can't even imagine like, so we would have to go to the postpartum unit and steal some diapers for the baby, and it's just like little things like that, and maybe not singling us out when they do speak about that kind of stuff like oh we're not really prepared for we heard mm-hmm. it from several nurses that we're not really built for premature ba- or for you know full-term babies we're mm-hmm. kind of built for just the preemies and um i don't know maybe not referring to them as big babies in the NICU but right. just they're babies in the NICU that need help just like the preemies mm-hmm. do mm-hmm. i feel as though we all have family or friends or mm-hmm. friends we make during the NICU experience mm-hmm. who help us through so who were a few that really helped you, who made a difference for you through the NICU? There was um, a handful. Definitely my husband, mm-hmm. obviously. Um, I couldn't have done it without him. He was just, he's calm where I'm, you know, very scatterbrained and, and dramatic and outgoing. And he's just like, he just calms me down. Balance so each other out he, for you, right? Yes, he definitely balances me out. And he he really did a great job mm-hmm. when we were in the NICU. He just was steadfast. And uh, he dealt with my emotions as they came. And I just remember he forced me to go home and take a shower on, like, probably day six. He took me home. Um I got a shower and I just stepped out of the shower and I had my my diaper on, my ice pack, you know, my saggy boobs because I just like pumped for a half hour. And he just looked at me and he told me I was beautiful. And Mm -hmm. it's just something I'll never, ever forget because that like restored me a little Mm -hmm. bit. You know, it's like it like a video game, like it recharged my energy a little bit just to keep going and get back there. So I remember that distinctively him making me go home and take a shower and eat and take a nap. And then Mm -hmm. we went right back there. But um, and making you feel so special. Yes. Right. Yep. Yeah. Sorry, yeah. He has a way of doing that. Um, and then I have an old childhood friend. Um, her name is Steph Woods and she uh, lives in Florida now, but she's a NICU nurse. And the whole time she texted me and I was like, what? Do-? So you're talking about like the medical terminology and things like that. She's the one who helped me through all that. And I, I would like be texting her day and night like this happened. She's on this much room air. She's on this and that. And she would tell me what was happening in layman's terms and then what the next step was. And I needed that because that's the type of person I am as I need like to know what where we're where we're heading. So she would tell me and she and she's the one who advocated to try and get us into a pediatric unit where I could stay and eat and sleep with her. And so I really, really couldn't have done it without her. She's mm-hmm. wonderful. Um, and then the other ones are our parents. You know, my mom would bring our dirty clothes home. My husband slept in that pediatric unit and then went to work and came right back. Like we never went home. So she would take care of our dogs. She would wash all our clothes and bring them back. And she would visit the baby. But she she was really concerned about us. And so were his parents. They would come and bring us homemade food that we would go nuke in the uh, 
cafeteria. Mm-hmm. And it was just nice to have the homemade food compared to like what you've been eating in the cafeteria. So, yeah, our parents took good care of us. Um, and then lastly is my due date group on Facebook. Mm. So like my little, little mom group has mm-hmm. about 30 girls that I still talk to every single day. Um, they were sending me breast milk because I wasn't making enough. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they were just amazing. I, I just can't, I, I still keep in touch with them to this day. They're like family. I've met a couple of them. I flew to California and met my friend Mia. And so they've been wonderful, wonderful resource, wonderful support group for us through all of this. Those are lifelong friendships they that you are. make. And yeah. what would you say about making those types of friendships while you're going through it? How important it is and what those friendships mean? Because I think that NICU can be very isolating where yes. people aren't comfortable to step out to say hello or introduce yourself where you might be in other situations. Mm-hmm. But those friendships can pull you through. Yeah, I remember being in the NICU and I was scared to talk to other parents. I don't mm-hmm. know. Maybe it came from the feelings that we didn't belong there. But I was like, I, I was afraid to talk to parents who had longer journeys than us in there. You know, um, I knew we were getting out soon. I, my baby wasn't two pounds. We were very lucky in that regard. But um, so, yeah, I, I didn't really talk to anybody that was around us um, or then I didn't really bond with any nurses, but I definitely needed my mom friends and uh, people who had just had babies who were mm-hmm. going through those same hormones who were supporting me. And they didn't really understand the NICU journey, but they checked in on me every mm-hmm. single day. And we're talking about 25, 30 people that would be texting me every single day and understanding when I didn't get back to them and just making sure I was okay and giving me whatever I needed at that time. So and how weird. did you find that group on Facebook? It was just like, a, oh, we're doing February 2016 oh. group. So oh, it was, great. yeah, it was started about a hundred of us and it narrowed it down to about 30 of us that really keep in mm-hmm. touch. And uh, we all had babies within a month of each other. And some of us had NICU journeys, some of us didn't, and we all just really stuck together. What sparked the fire in you to give back? What made you want to do more after you left the NICU and as Colette has grown? Well, it sucks in there. <laughs> and uh, even more so during the holidays, I couldn't imagine. I love Christmas. Anything from Thanksgiving to New Year, I'm all about. So I love it. And I wanted to give back. Um, And I knew uh, as soon as we got out of the NICU that I wanted to give back. So the first year for Colette's birthday, we asked for donations to the NICU in lieu of birthday gifts. So we raised $800 and donated that. But then I wanted to do something bigger. Um, And yeah, it's just very sad. Like you said, very isolating, very depressing. And we just wanted to bring a little joy. Mm -hmm. That's great. Well, you have to... Tell everyone about our new partnership. Yes. So So grateful that you came to today is a good day. And we're able to work on this exciting new program with Kiki Pants. But you have to give the background about why Kiki Pants and what we're doing together. Definitely. So it all started. I I brought bought a couple of pieces of clothing with me. They're they're not treated with chemicals. They're super soft. You felt them. Mm -hmm. Um, So I had had a few pieces with me. um, But I was too afraid to ask to dress her in the NICU. So probably on day five, six, they were like, you can dress her. I don't think she likes these scratchy gowns anymore in the hospital. And I didn't have anything with me, like her going home outfit, nothing like that. So um, I, I had a backpack and I dug at the bottom and there was a crumpled up kicky pants girl dino onesie with like pink and purple dinosaurs on it. And I put it on her and I was like, this is awesome. And that's where the love affair with Kiki started. Um, They have coordinating swaddles and the nurses would go crazy over them. And it was just like a really uh, 
it brought some light into like a very dark place. So the nurses just went wild over how the swaddle matched. Even when I had Willow a, a year ago, I did the same thing and the nurses went crazy over them. So mm-hmm. it's really cool. Yeah. And you started giving back those swaddle sets last year. I, well, right? it was three years three ago. Three years ago. So My goodness. how it started was Dave and I put together a little budget and we mm-hmm. knew that the blankets cost X amount if we buy them from Keiki. So I put a little post out on Facebook and I'm very open about my journey, my my mental health, the NICU journey, pretty much everything. I'm an open book because I feel like I can help others that way. Um, so what I did is I just put a call out and said, look, anybody who has a kicky pants swaddle with a tag on it that uh, they're willing to sell to me under market value, I need 35 of them to, for every NICU bed. And that's what we wanted to do for Christmas. And we were going to buy them. And the first year I partnered with this um, boutique called Bellies to Babies, and we still work with them. Mm-hmm. And uh, they set up where people could buy blankets for half price and they would send them directly to me and they could write little notes to the people in the NICU. And so we got um, like 20 donations that first year. Um, And then we bought the rest. And then the next year, it just exploded. Kiki Pants reached out to me directly because they saw what we were doing with Bellies to Babies. And they asked how they could get involved because the owner, Erin, had a similar experience where she was high risk. Mm-hmm. Um, so she was being monitored. And that's actually how Kiki Pants got its name was she was laying in bed and um, her little boy was kicking inside her stomach. So they named him Kiki Pants. That oh. was his nickname. Oh, that's great. It was just something I wanted to to partner with and 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 see to the end because this is they were just so generous from the very beginning. They were like, we'll cover the 35 beds and we'll give you some toys and outfits. And so we just started making these gift bags and every year got bigger and bigger until we reached this point, which yes. is awesome. Yeah. So now we have over 1,700 swaddle sets mm-hmm. going out to the partner hospitals that yeah. today's a good day works with. We have a wonderful note from your family to include with those. Mm-hmm. And we're really excited to get that partnership going. And then you have to tell everyone about the new Facebook page that you're you started with yeah, Kiki Pants for yeah. the Kiki Pants community. Yeah, so back when we were talking with Nick, I guess this was around the holidays last year, maybe November or something. Uh, it took a little while to get started because of the pandemic and everything like that. But um, Nick and I had been talking about this for a while, um, and he wanted to do something where we could connect the Kiki community you know, all the NICU families could come together and have a place for support and just a place to just like dump all their feelings out if they wanted to, you know, a safe space for them because they had a similar experience. So um, we started the Kiki Pants NICU community. Um, It's on Facebook. We have about 120 members right now. And uh, yeah, we're really excited. We just launched. Um, My partner is Allie let me see if I can say her last name right. It's Imegador. Mm-hmm. Um, so she also had a, a NICU experience that was very different than mine. Her son was a preemie. Um, they spent a lot of time in the NICU. Uh, so she has that aspect of it covered. And mm-hmm. I have the big, you know, full term baby uh, aspect covered. And then we work with the Kiki Pants Lotus Dots or their customer service crew. And, and Nicole Carrillo is, is who kind of helps us out in that regard. And we're hoping this gets really big and strong and we just make connections. And it's a place where people can just feel safe to put all of their feelings out there. And people love sharing their stories. They I do. Mean, we've yeah. seen that a lot with the Greater Philadelphia NICU Miracle Parent Network we started was making connection among parents. I mean, it's mm-hmm. one of the most important things that we can do and to provide these inspirational and informational resources for families yes. where they can see success stories and they, they can have some hope for their baby who is 
navigating the NICU at this time. Well, Corey, you are doing wonderful things and you're giving back to so many. And I am really happy that we are able to work together to help even more families and sincerely appreciate your honesty and openness to share your story today that I'm sure will help others. Yes. Thank you so much. 